Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your host, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Marcus Dash here with legendary 76ers point guard Eric Snow and my brother Tasia Dash. Guys, we said it was going to be an easy stretch coming up here. Two straight wins and uh, looking for four more coming up here soon. (laughs) We didn't exactly say it was going to be an easy stretch. We said we would be disappointed if, if we didn't win most of the games, if not all. Yes. That's true. Got to make you know. You got to be clear. Like we don't. We don't want to say easy. We are playing professional teams. Yeah, nothing's easy. Nothing's easy. Who would have thought so far halfway through it though, or about halfway through it, that the first Washington game was the closest one? That yeah. doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think if I know in my history um, of playing in Washington D.C., it wasn't a lot of blowouts. I've won. I believe I've won the majority of my games there, but I don't think it was a lot of blowouts. Yeah, um, that city gets some guys. Some guys kind of. I don't know how it is now, but you know, back in the day, they said kick it there. That was the kick it time, a sneaky kick it time. So it's a good time, DC. Well, we know we know to do it in the DMV area. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, one I guess. So was, um, Did you spend much time in the nice DMV area? Time. Yeah, I like it. I like the area. The, you know, Carrie's from that area, so I, I spend a lot of time. Oh, she really? There. Yeah. Oh, wow. Annapolis. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's close. So. Yeah, I know uh, we, we have a friend who actually um, – He's like friends, like a couple like bar and club owners in DC. But Stephen Adams, who has I don't has no connection to the DC area, but apparently he spends like most of his summers in in DC, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, he's a big fan. And then we go to Detroit. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. You know, she worked she worked in the city, so I would spend a lot of time in the city because of that. So, um, but even actually before we even met, that was like one of my favorite cities. Mm. Oh, wow. We spent a lot of time there when I played for the Cavs. You know, we played them three straight years in the first round. Um, oh, yeah. So then that's when you kind of go there. And then all of a sudden, you know, I played um, in the Eastern Conference and I lived in Philly. So it was a quick train ride. And, you know, with AI being, you know, with it being a big, big deal when we when AI went there. So it was always – and I had like, some really good friends that lived there. Um, two good friends, so I always kind of went to nice restaurants, wouldn't visit at different places, so I was able to do more there. Really experience really the, the playoff series, yeah, that, that kind of extended it, because that's, you know, that's three consecutive years that you're there for, usually it's an in and out, 
Now all of a sudden you go there and you play in the playoffs. You're there for, you know, four, four to anywhere from four to eight nights um, in the spring and this weather started getting a little warmer. So it was a little different experience and, and we got to spend some more time there. I, I, I enjoy it. I like it a lot. Cool. Then Chicago was sort of my two favorite cities to visit. Yeah, I like Chicago. Chicago's a cool city. I know, like, uh, when I was living in uh, Lansing for a little bit, I remember a lot of people in Lansing were saying, like, Chicago is, like, the uh, like the second home for a lot of the, like, the Michigan, Michigan Staters and a lot of the mid-Michigan people. Like, they love moving out to Chicago. It's, like, the uh, the home away from home for a lot of the mid-Michiganders. Oh, it's tons of Michigan State people in Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Like, tons. Yeah, I had I mean, friends you know, one, out there you know, outside of Detroit, outside of Detroit, um, it may not be closer than you know some of those major major cities like Cleveland or Columbus, um, but it's the out of the top ten, you know major cities. It's the closest one, um, and it's a lot of people from Chicago that go to Michigan State. Yep. So then, then you know, Chicago was a a, a a big hub for hiring Michigan State students as well. Mm-hmm. So that's how I know a lot of people that. I know that live there um, that I went to school with. Almost all of them went there because of a job. Yeah. And it's got that small town feel to it for, for such a, like a big city. Right. So people are from their small towns in Michigan. It, it didn't feel like so, you know, enormous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a Midwest. It's a Midwest. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a huge city, but it's still a Midwestern city. So, mm-hmm. The style of life, you know, is similar in some ways to to almost all the other Midwestern cities. It's just a bigger city. Yeah, I just couldn't do that cold for that long, and that that's too frigid for me. Couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. when you when you you know, I'm from Ohio and went to school in Michigan, so it's, it's all the same to you're, me. You know what you're I'm saying? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're good. So there, you know, some people that's all they know. They've, mm-hmm. they've only lived in those places. Yeah. Yeah. We used to get off for a school because, you know, like three or four inches of snow. And uh, my buddy who was from that area would be like, dude, we could have a quadruple this. And there would you would not get off for snow. You would just there's no getting off for snow in Michigan. Like <laughs> You don't get out for that. Yeah. Yeah. If they if they if the, if the buses, if the buses could come get you and they felt like you could walk to school. Um. They weren't they weren't closing, but mm, that's yeah. the that's the difference between now nowadays. You have so many suburban schools and suburban neighborhoods that you know when I was older you didn't have a lot of that. Almost everything mm. was um, it was suburb suburbs, but it wasn't a lot of them. Mm. Like my kids, that's all they know is suburbs. You know, <laughs> they don't even know about like mm-hmm. being in the urban city. Like that. So, but when I grew up, everybody was in the urban city. And a lot of the schools, like you had buses, but buses was more for high schools, maybe middle schools, primarily elementary. Every every school was close. You walked to school. Yeah. Like we didn't never bus. So if they felt you could walk to school, like it was you were going. Yeah. So in there is different. Like they treat the snow and it, it was almost like we used to sit by the radio whenever it snowed. And that's how we found out if we didn't have school. You know, obviously we didn't oh, have school. Oh man. 
Like now you get it on your phone and all that. So yeah. you would sit by the radio. And then we would sit like the night before, you know, it's going to snow. And so it'd be schools, school um, districts that would cancel school the night before it even snowed. Yeah. Like, and then the next day so it didn't snow. To, so now we got to get up early in the morning to listen to the radio for them to say Kansas City Schools. And like it would be a cheer. <laughs> like that was one of the craziest things to sit there and wait for them to say Kansas City Schools. Um, and we uh, we would have to get up in the morning and get dressed and everything and get ready to walk out the door for them to cancel school for us to cheer and then go outside and play in the snow. <laughs> So makes doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> that we cheering that we don't have to go to school and walk in the snow, but then when we don't have school, we go out and play in the snow. We used to listen to the uh, the county like broadcast local channel, and it would just be like the school lunch lists and stuff like that, and then it would also have like the bottom ticker yeah. of like this if it was closed, you would just have that on in the background. You're like, come on, no updates yet? What are you kidding me? That was great. That was a good feeling. No, we they they did they had that for, um, like our our local stations ABC, NBC, CBS, all that are all Cleveland stations. Okay, so they would have that, but it would all be all be the Cleveland areas. Like they wouldn't put it would name like across the board like which ones are open, which ones are closed on that ticker. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we had for us we had to do the. The radio because they didn't do they might have did akron then i'm not sure if they did I don't, i'm not even sure if they even did akron back then they might have did the akron schools wow um, but they, they didn't do us hmm. yeah i remember when I, when I was working in michigan <clears throat> obviously being a, a dmv guy we don't get as much snow as we did in, in, in lansing but when i was working there and i had to cover like the local news stories when it snowed it would snow like every day and so I had to do these these live um, these live uh, newscasts. I would go on and talk about the weather, you know, people how people were experiencing it. Now we get skewered by people on Facebook. It was like, well, uh, we know what snow is, okay? We, we don't need this out of town or telling us uh, about the snow today, okay? We we, we live through this. <laughs> I'm like, geez, it was my assignment for the day. I had to talk about it. <laughs> it was like a warm day for them. They were shivering. Oh yeah, it, it, it was brutal. It was, it was, it was, and I had to do a lot of like the pothole stories and stuff and every day it's snowing and the potholes are awful. And I was always like out and doing that. And uh, I was, risky, you know, risky roles is some of the worst I've experienced in my life. Terrible. Yeah. It and they had me on, they had me on pothole patrol pretty much all the time uh, talking about different, like different ones. People would call in like, Oh, you need to get a load of this thing. And like, you know, and I had to like get the Lansing, like people down there to like look at the potholes and like take care of these streets and stuff. It was, it, it was brutal, especially in the winter time. Sounds terrible. <laughs> um, so, t- from talking about Michigan, we're going to talk about a little bit about Pistons today. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, so Sixers Friday night won the Hawks game, huge game. Uh, but towards the end of that game, that's where it was kind of a um, there's a lot of people were kind of scared online. Uh, Nick Nurse even after the game was scared about Embiid's knee injury. They said they were going to have to monitor it and look at it on the weekend. And we really didn't really hear much about the knee injury after the game after Nick Nurse's comments because. Monday, the injury report came out. MB was a GTD, ended up playing, had 34 points, 11 boards, six assists. Uh, but open, in the opening of the show, we talked about the easy stretch that we have. Um, in the next two games, we play against Detroit, who's lost the last 20 games, uh, 20 straight games. Um, and obviously, this knee injury is not that bad because obviously he played yesterday. 
But do you think the Sixers should kind of err on the side of caution here? The fact that he did get the injury Friday, played yesterday. Do you think these next two games coming up here, would you guys would you guys want to rest and beat against a team like the Pistons who is struggling? I would say rest him if it's something that's continuing to just, you know, disrupt his flow. If it's not disrupting his flow, I wouldn't take him out. I would maybe cut his minutes or do something different. But if if he's able to play, I would I would advise him to keep playing. Um, so the way you kind of handle that is you go out and take care of business like you did the last game, and he sits down. He doesn't play as much. But I'm I'm not for sitting the guy down just to sit him down. If, mm. if if he can if he can truly play like just if he can truly play let's 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 be serious about him let's let's go get let's go win games and keep getting better as a group so you're not a load management guy huh i'm 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 a low i mean i guess we're all in this is low management i'm just not a low management guy that sit people for no reason like other than just hey we're just gonna sit you down for just if general has a lingering if a guy has a, if a guy has a lingering issue that's why i said if this is something that's lingering like he he's getting around the clock therapy and it's not getting better it's not getting worse but it's just not getting better then yes i get it but if it's just you know what hey we play detroit go ahead and sit out that, uh, that's what I don't like. You end up in Detroit in their streak on you. That would not be good. Yes. To be the team, to be the team that Detroit beats to end that streak. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is one of the easier stretches. Easier, not easy. Um, I'd say, yeah. man, I disagree a little bit just because I, I just – we say that now and then come the playoffs when he looks a little drained, we're going to say, man, I wish we sat him out in more easy games like Detroit back-to-backs. Um, I, I, whenever I think of Embiid now, I don't think of him in the moment. I think of him in the playoffs. Like, that's what I think now. I don't even think of him as, like, December Embiid. I'm, I'm thinking of, like, you know, late season, May, June Embiid. Um we got Detroit, Detroit, Charlotte, Chicago. Man, I'd sit him the first game against Detroit and Charlotte. I mean, I would even consider him going multiple games. I don't, I don't even know if we'll need him against those teams. Um, Charlotte without ball, they have games where they get hot and then they can just beat you. But I think that could happen even with Embiid if they just get ridiculously hot that game. Um, yeah, I mean, Charlotte's a sneaky, a sneaky team to watch out for because they they have beaten teams and and especially at home, they can get hot. And they got some guys that can play. It's just collectively they they're struggling, but yeah, visually they got some time. Yep. Um, I and I would be strategic rest of season about how they go about resting him. Just just try to keep it in mind. Um. He's playing a good amount of minutes. I mean, when we do kill teams, they, they are good about sitting him and not bringing him back, which I do likes to see. Um, 
And yeah, if you can guarantee you're killing teams every time, then rest them in the fourth quarter, sure. But you can't really plan on that. I mean, you, you do plan for that, but you can't count on that. That's what I mean. But and look, it, well, you strategic. You plan, I mean, you, you plan on you plan on it by um, cutting minutes before you go into the game. So that's what I'm yeah. saying. You manage the minutes, and then as you see how the game how, how the game goes on, then you're able to okay, well. Let's just go ahead and shut them down. Like, so you say, first, you, we're going to cap you at 32. And, and you play 23, and we have a great lead. Just kind of pull back. Maybe when you were when you thought you were going to put him back in, you waited a little longer. Like, those are things like in-game, you can make those decisions. Um, but that that's a way of doing it. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to just completely sit a guy out. And strategic too. I mean, it gets like smaller teams, especially. You know, I mean, if we don't trust our backup bigs against bigger teams and against the smaller teams, maybe do it. You know, have like Roko start at five for the game against a small team. I mean, that that's that's doable. Um, we have the depth now, so that's one of the perks of having the kind of team we have. You can maybe do that and not feel like you're completely lost without Joel. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm as a fan, obviously, I, I like to go watch a guy play, and I want fans to. Who are paying for tickets to be able to see Joel because that's pretty much what they're paying to see, especially a, a Detroit team. Like most of those people in that stand and the, and the audience, they're not paying to see their team lose another game. They're probably paying to see Joel at that point. So that sucks for them. They're not seeing that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting, though, that the fact that he had the injury and, like, you know, they were really serious about it after the game. Nurse just said, like, you know, I'm, we're, gonna, we're monitoring that, you know, this is, it could be a serious thing. And then all of a sudden, don't hear anything for two days, and then Monday, you know, he plays and you know has thirty minutes. Um, and so I, it was a good thing that wasn't a serious injury, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just think that they kind of he ended up feeling better than maybe expected, or they just weren't sure, and they was playing on the side of caution. Yeah. Because after the game, he said he was fine, but then Nurse's comments were like the opposite of that. They like, go, oh, "No, we're like, mm-hmm. you know, it might yeah. be might be a big thing." And then, yeah. But all right, so we're gonna stick with Joel Embiid here. So um, <clears throat> he was on Tyrese Maxey's podcast, and uh, he talked about a familiar name that everyone uh, knows well, Ben Simmons. And he had some interesting stuff to say about Ben Simmons. A lot of people believe that there was some this kind of feud between the two of them, but you know. Sometimes stuff just gets played up in the media. Uh, but um, he had to say this about Ben Simmons. Quote, I never believed Simmons needed a shot. He was so good. He's just a monster. He was the perfect match. He was the one that got away. I hate the way things turned out. He also went on to say a lot of different things about um, about Ben Simmons. Um, how he said if he, he if he if if only Ben could just become like a 75 or 80% free throw shooter, that's all he needed to ever like be. Um, but Anyway, with, so with Simmons's future uh, kind of in Brooklyn, kind of murky, no one really knows what's going to happen with that. Obviously, kind of a long shot here, but the question after hearing Embiid talk about Ben Simmons as the guy who got away, would you guys welcome Ben Simmons back in Philadelphia, and how would he fit on the current 76er squad? Oh, you want me to go first? You want me to go first? No, I'll go. I mean, I don't have any issue with Ben coming back. Um, I think it could make for a great story. Um, obviously, if 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 
especially I, I think things would have to be different from a standpoint of I believe I know Philly. I mean, you come in and you play and you perform, <laughs> they're gonna be down with you. Yeah. So the coming back and has to be different as far as the performance. Um, I, and not even necessarily with the not shooting threes. I don't think any, I think people have come to kind of accept that that's who he is. Um, but if you have a guy that's coming and he's producing and he's playing hard, um, you know, may struggle with the free throw line, but I, I don't, I think it could work. Um, I still think it could fit. He fits. Um, but, you know, you would have to kind of see the best way you could work it because he's not sort of the piece of the pie that you thought that he was initially, where he was sort of the guy where you was like, oh, this is a part of our championship making team. So now to bring him back and fit him in, that, that would look different. So the question is, you know, how would that look now? How would he play? Would you give him the ball? Would you have him play power forward? Like, that's that's where I was sort of like, no, nah, kind of. It, I, I think it would be a fine to do it, but ultimately I would have to have to look and see how the the what the vision is. Like, how do you how would you play him going forward? I can't believe that was once a topic. Uh, whose team? You used to see this on morning shows all the time. Whose team is this, Simmons or Embiid? <laughs> a lot, yes. lots changed. Lots changed since then. Um, yeah. So I always said I never gave a crap about Ben's three-point shot. I didn't expect it. Didn't care about it. I, I I didn't see the obsession with it. I just wanted, like like Joel says, I didn't even say that high. I wouldn't even say eighty percent. I wanted like seventies to seventy to seventy-five max. Seventy seventy-five. You get defenses off your back trying to do the hack of Ben. If you're a consistent 70 to 75, that's when teams back off in that regard. It keeps them attacking, like Joel said. And I just, all I wanted was a little like go to move in the paint, a little baby hook that he would do, just a paint, a couple paint shots. I don't need threes. I don't even need outside of the paint. Just give me a couple of running, quick stop, little flick. That's all. That's all he needed to do, and, and he started to do it a little bit, and then he just got away from it. And obviously, the whole thing went off the rails. Um, but he, as far as as a player, he provided everything to what you need on a winning team, right? Um, and I actually think if the Fultz experiment didn't become an utter disaster, he might still be on this team right now. But we lost a key scoring part of a team, a young piece that needed to kind of fill in the gaps of what he didn't provide. And when we lost that, we needed him to kind of be like, to step up and be something that again, I don't think he was going to be, which is like a 20 to 25 point score. I don't think he was, I mean, I, I think we know now that that's just not him, right? He is who what he is. He is who he is. Right. Um, now, which what makes it a shame is that Maxi in a lot of ways has become Maxi always has become what Fultz was supposed to be. So if you had Simmons, and I think then we kind of talked about that it sucks because it would have been nice to have you you with him. I think they're a great fit, those two. Um, it takes some pressure off Maxi be the only primary ball handler on the team bringing the ball up. Simmons can do that in a pinch. Um, 
it would kind of just put Simmons in a different role for what we need him to be. We don't need him to be the the sole passer and the the guy creating. He could just be the off, um, you know, part time guard. You know, kind of like the the way Pippen used to take the ball up sometimes. Pippen wasn't a point guard, but when we didn't have a lot of ball hand, when, when the Bulls didn't have a lot of ball handlers, Pippen in a pinch would just you know bring the ball up and just and start the offense. That's what I think more Simmons would become if he were to play on this team again. Um, I I think he's this is for Eric. I think he's a little overpaid for the output that he now gives because I think we pay, we paid him to become LeBron. He didn't become LeBron, so like that that's a discrepancy. Like that is a major, and there's a reason why they would be giving him away, Eric, because it's because they're paying him a lot of money that they're not getting. They're not seeing the returns of that. They're just not. You know, it, it's it's like paying. It's like saying you paid for a, a, a highest level Porsche. Oh, but the engine's kind of messed up. So now it runs more like a, a C-class Mercedes. Well, I didn't pay for a C-class Mercedes. I paid for a friggin' high-level Porsche. Like, that's what I paid for. And I want that engine. That, that engine doesn't run like that, though. The engine runs a little lower than that. Well, that's the problem, right? So if we did get on a discount on a trade, which is they're probably giving him away at this point, um, that's why. Because they're paying someone more than what they're getting back for in, in production. Um, now... If they said we want him gone so bad, that contract gone so bad because we just don't like it, and you give us your treasure trove of every asset you collected from the Clippers, and we'll give you Mikhail Bridges, I would like I'd roll I, I'd like scrounge together what I can get to pick him up from the limo from Brooklyn to drive their asses down to Philadelphia. Um, you you give me Mikhail Bridges and Simmons, that's a starting five with Melton. I would see like no weaknesses on defensively switching shooting everyone, but Ben can shoot on that five. Um, ben could just kind of roam, do whatever the hell he wants at that point. We'd have two other badass defenders, three other, sorry, because Melon's a good defender in himself too. Um, you'd, the only weak league on defense would pretty much be Maxi. Maxi's not a bad defender. He's just not a great defender, uh, but everyone else can lock down and play D four shooters, big men passing like, no weak spot. Nets would, I don't think, would do that because you know Bridges is there. So the so the salary won't matter then. Absolutely, I would take it for for Bridges. I'd eat it. That because that's a Bridges is on a great contract for what he gives you. So it kind of evens it evens out, right? You're getting like a bona fide like star who could be like the Ananobi that everyone wants, and then some. And he was already locked into a contract for, I think, another three years or something. Um, at that point, yeah, you know, uh, we have to trade Harris in that deal because we're taking on, like, I think, like, 70 or 80 million there. So, yeah, I mean, Harris would have to be gone. Um, but at that, at that point, absolutely. Well, you, you guys would obviously do that, right? Mikhail and, and Ben for stuff. Hey, don't put wires on our mouth. That's what you said. Yeah, I would do that, obviously, but I mean, I'm only talking about the question was the topic was only about spend specific. No, no, I know, I know, I know. I don't know. You don't know? You wouldn't? Come on. Yeah, Eric, come on, man. Mikhail Bridges? What about him? That, that's not worth it to, to, to take on Ben? I didn't say it's not worth it, but I just said, I, you got to know what all we're giving up. I said, I don't know. All of our picks. That we can give up. 
I don't know about that. Really? It is a lot. I mean, it's a lot. But, you know. I don't know if Mikael Bridges is the guy to, to give all that up for. Because that's essentially what you're giving it up for. Yeah. It's one yes. guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about that. I like Mikael. I just don't know if he's that. So like the if, Clippers if, picks, if, the pick swap. If that's what you would do in division to a division rival that's going to use those same picks and come down your throat in a few years. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I would see that only way that would happen because the Clippers are, I mean, the Nets would be like, why are we yeah, giving I mean, you if you if you if you consider us to be one piece away from winning the championship and Mikhail was that guy that kind of fits that role, I can understand it. But if you're saying he's the one piece and then you're giving up one of the pieces that you have, I don't know how that necessarily and you gave up all of the assets that you accumulated. I I don't know. I would have to see the you know totality. Well, you'd you also deal. be getting back Ben. You'd also be getting back Ben in that deal. Yeah, I understand, but that's why I said I would have to see the whole deal. But I get what you're saying. The, the Mikael does fit, um, but I, I don't know about that part. But Ben, like I said, I'm open to it, but I just think it's some defining of roles and how he's going to play and all of that would would kind of dictate ultimately how you feel about it. And he has to play. You know, I think that's sort of the yeah. thing. He has to play. Yeah, I know. Back injuries, man. That's no joke. So if, you, if you're there and you're not playing, it's sort of the same old thing. To me, that just – that'll make it not better. <laughs> I don't want to say worse, but I'm saying not better. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean – Get, you're getting him back in name only if he can't play, right? Yeah. How do you think the fan base? On, how, on, how, how do you think the fan base would take it if we were to get uh, Ben Simmons back? Because I feel like the, there's a lot of people in the fan base who do not don't want Ben Simmons back. They feel like they probably yeah, think no, no, it'll be a lot of this. It'll be a lot of disappointed people, but that's why I said it would have to come, to, and that's why I'm saying he have he would have to play because the only way to silence that is for him to play and perform. If you had Bridges in that deal, they'd be just fine with it. Correcting the Zaire Smith mistake. They'd be just yeah. fine with that. Yeah, so I say, like I said, I'm sure they will be fine with it, but not a, just giving every asset away. I wouldn't be. So, yeah. yeah, that'd be hard to swallow. That'd be hard. You'd have two young pieces in, in Maxie and, and Bridges, though, for, for the future. And Ben. Yeah, and still what, like 20, 28? Yeah, he's still pretty young. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's been around forever, but he's still in his like mid to late twenties. Like he's still that. Then you have five guys, all five your starters. MB is like the lone elder statesman at that point. Everyone else is below the age of like twenty eight. Bridges young, Max young, Melton young, Simmons young. I mean. Yeah, I guess what what Simmons returning at this point would be the expectations would be just different from what from what it was when we first had him. We'd have obviously the fans would have just different expectations on him coming back the second stint around, which I think would probably be better for him. He wouldn't have this the young prince um, kind of title anymore. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's no, what he that's what he alluded to as one of the issues in Philly is that he didn't like having that pressure. Like they were 
the moment he got there, like the year, because he was injured, remember? The year. So they after that, they were like competitive. And then two years later, it was like, all right, start winning playoff games. And he just wasn't – he was like, whoa, 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 I'm just like a kid right now. I'm not ready to start leading a, a championship squad. I mean, but, you know, now it is different. Like he's – He's one of like a bunch of guys now. He's not like with Embiid. If Embiid had a good game back then, it was like, all right, Ben, where are you at? But like now it's like there we have so many guys that contribute. Ben would just have to do all the little things at that point. All like the fill in the gaps. Like give us like 12 points. Give me like eight rebounds. Give me like six assists. Lock someone down on defense. And, and there you go. That's all you need to do, man. He did say what last month or two months ago where he, he enjoyed his time in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it would be a great. It would make for a great story. It would make. I mean, that ESPN thirty for thirty in twenty years is going to be damn good based on the whole process era. And if and, and if uh, Simmons and Embiid were to, to come back, come back together in Philadelphia, but it is the city of brotherly love. So um, it's true. Yeah, twenty years. Yeah, right. That thing's coming out like two years after Embiid like leaves and retires. Man, <laughs> they don't wait. They don't wait that long for Docs anymore. Man, you got you got uh, stories that. Stories that, that are coming out about a story that's still happening nowadays. That's true. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to head to our final topic here. So Wednesday night, people travel to Detroit, take on the Pistons. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, Pistons are on a 20-game losing streak, 20 straight games. And right now we are an 11-point favorite on the road tomorrow night. Who do you guys have in this one? And uh, will we cover the 11 points? Um, yes, I'll say yes. We win and cover. <clears throat> I think you know, Detroit is, they're reeling. They're not playing well. Um, you know, obviously with the 20 game losing streak, I think we pull away and their lack of confidence right now will, will do them in. And that's how we, we cover. Let me ask you a question, Eric. Um, would you rather take Sixers to win or would you rather take Detroit like plus 20? I would take Detroit plus 20. Hmm. Okay. They're probably going to be around the same odds. That's why I asked that, right, Mark? Like uh, Philly winning is minus 670. I figure buying nine points would probably be around that. I'd probably be like plus 21 or 22, actually. Okay. Probably around there, yeah. Um, yes, I think yeah. the win, I think we'll win with with or without Joel because there's a chance he could, you know, be yanked and sat down. Um, 11 points is a lot. Uh, I, I think we cover that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm close to Eric on that because, you know, Detroit's got a lot of young guys. They play – if they if they if they sat out every time they got blown out, that their guys would get no minutes. So they play even when they're starting to get blown out in games. They keep their young guys keep playing because they need to develop. So I, I they, they hang around some of those games because of that. But yeah, I I think they might keep it below twenty five, which is about the same as a Sixers win in money line. Yeah, yeah, should be a, should be should be a good one. I mean. I think already uh, this year we already have two forty-point wins. Uh, is, is that is that correct? We do we have more than two forty-point wins? Because we had the Wizards last night, and then the um, the, the Lakers. Lakers was one. Yeah, I know the Lakers was forty. 
Yep. Lakers. Yeah. That's we only bad. beat Detroit by eight last time. That was the game where they were being really physical with Embiid, remember? That's right. That's the game he shot a three at the end because that was a tournament game, and he was trying to run up the score, and they got mad. They wanted to fight him after yeah. it. So right. watch out for that going into it. Maybe now they understand the tournament rules, and they're not insulted by it anymore. The rules. Maybe. <laughs> Nobody knew the rules. Sorry about that, man. We thought you were just trying to screw with us, but, you know, we just didn't know the rules of the game. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that does it for us. We'll see you guys Friday, um, and we'll be previewing another Detroit game when we see you guys on Friday. <laughs> All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next time. You're on, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.